Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. We are really excited to be back into interviewing people. I know we've been doing a number yeah. of informationals over the last few few months, a month and a half, two months now. And it was really great to get back into an inter- interview. But before you begin, head down in the show notes. We're going to try and put all the links. We talked about a lot of different things in this interview. And I'm going to go ahead and put all those links in there. So you don't have to pay attention and take notes while you're listening. You can just enjoy it mm-hmm. and listen to this lovely couple who has decided to take their family, four children, and drive around the world and the country and and and, and do, do the road schooling thing. We had Megan and Daniel on. Absolutely great interview, packed with a ton of information, and I think really inspiring. I know all of us who have been cooped up for the last two years who haven't maybe been able to get out other than going to grandma and grandpa's up the way. And that's really not vacation because it's mm-hmm. work, you know, and all that stuff. It's really inspiring to hear people getting out of the house, doing this, you know, getting out, traveling. They were unique. They've been on the road for four straight years. Now going to start settling back down, but it was wonderful to listen to them talk about their thinking, how it evolved over time, how they went forward and, and found, you know, homeschooling as the solution to educate their children while being on the road. I know Ariel's right now on VRBO and Airbnb <laughs> looking up homes to rent so that we can go and do road schooling as well. Um, yeah, this was a very unique interview. I really appreciated Megan and Daniel's perspective on everything. I, th- I think everything. the wrinkle, though, is we know we've all seen the YouTube videos recommended to us. This beautiful young couple, 22 years old. They have no, they have no idea what they're getting themselves into, as all of us adults laugh. They're driving around. They're beautiful. Their drone is following their old remade VW bus. <laughs> but that is not road schooling. Daniel and Megan do a really good job at explaining all the nuances of taking a family on the road. It doesn't have to be RV campering. You don't have to be yeah. staying in the national well, parks all the time. I think that's the I think that's the yeah. classic view of road schoolers, right? Exactly. Is that they're they, they have some sort of RV that they live out of it, and, and there van, are... Or a van that they've converted. Yeah, van, whatever you know, it is. Van life, whatever it is. <laughs> I know yeah. you've got this thing about van life. I know, I love it. Uh, so, you know... I, I think want to be 19 again. I think that's the classic image of road schoolers, and I, for a lot of us, it's like, yeah. that's not very... I think that that seems like harder to obtain, right? You have to yeah. buy this vehicle, and that's a big expense, and then you got to live out of it, and all that thing. And, and Megan and Daniel take the approach of... Uh, traveling and doing long stays at homes mm-hmm. so that they don't have to do the kind of RV life, which I think is a really great perspective. And, you know, they've taken their their four children all around the United States and over to Europe. And so they have kind of two different perspectives, you know, being able to travel by car and have all your stuff and then being, you know, in Europe where you only have a backpack yeah. and talking about how they took homeschooling and made it work for their family depending on where that where they were at that time. So, yeah. you know, depending on what's what there is to do in that area, how they can dovetail that with their learning, really focusing on what's important yeah. and not getting so hung up in the clutter of lots of materials and things. You know, we just finished a series on budget homeschooling and I think this is a really great <laughs> kind of episode. Well, yeah. yeah, I think this is a great episode to the, follow the up. The recondoing of our homeschool. <laughs> the follow up our budget homeschool series with a, with yeah. this family who basically said you you don't need all this stuff. And they lived out of backpacks for I mean a year. Almost a year is what she yeah. said. And you can yeah. you imagine like us as homeschoolers in our homeschool room that has walls of books and all this stuff right. and saying, just pack a book, but you got, you got your backpack. You know, Ariel and I were very fortunate. We got to do a month in Europe before we had children and we just had the backpacks and I could not imagine like traveling with my two kids and everything. But, 
But you, when you start to think about it, you yeah, start like to realize really what, what is really important. Yeah. And when you think about what's really important, and if you only have to take you know these certain items with you, yeah. you can do that. You you can really budget down on your homeschooling supplies, yeah. and obviously you're spending that money elsewhere on the things that you're going to do and the places that you're staying. But I think that. Daniel and Megan just made this road schooling journey sound very accessible. Yeah. And when I've always thought it was something kind of unattainable. And right after we got off the phone with them, I was like, man, I bet, you know, I could probably take a month and work remotely sometime. <laughs> I'm sure my company would probably let me do that. We, we might be able to do something like they did. So whether you're thinking about traveling for a month mm-hmm. or a year or five years, I think this is a great interview to listen to and really just absorb not not just the the material aspects of how they traveled, but the philosophy of how they traveled. Yeah. It really made a big impression on me. Well, also the other thing too is that I, when I, we interview individuals, and, you know, we interview a lot of you know normal run of the mill homeschooling families. Um, but once in a while, is we, there a run of the mill homeschooling family? Well, I mean, yeah, I, they're all so they're, different. They're also you, we're all we're all individual we're flowers all in the field. Yes, unique snowflakes, but. You know, when we get into these more edge cases where we have, say, a family of six or someone who road schools or um, a family that has both, you know, husband and wife that are both working, right? How do you do these things where it starts to get very sticky and difficult? You know, a lot of times we have right. It's an not educator, the straightforward. Yeah, you know, somebody staying home is the yeah. educator. You know, that's what we do, and that's what a lot of parents do. You know, a lot of families do, but you know. In this case, you have more of an edge case scenario. And I think in those edge cases, you begin to see new ways of viewing things and new ways of of experiencing the same thing that you're doing. And how does that, you know, you can learn a lot from that. You can say, wow, look at how this person was able to accomplish the same thing that I'm trying to accomplish, but with way less. Or here's what somebody's doing that has way more opportunities. You know, what can I do to maybe incorporate that same idea? So I always like to, to hear people who are doing something different because it always gives us a new perspective on the same thing that we're doing. And, you know, a lot of times you can kind of feel like, you know, I'm getting stuck in a rut or I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And when you, when you hear people talk like this or you hear people's experiences, I think it can really inform, you know, your decisions and and your actions. So that's why I really like talking to people who, you know, we were joking at the end, space schoolers, we're going to go find those (laughs) space schoolers next, but, you know, being able to find, you know, people who are unique and doing unique things can, I think, can really inform how you do your, you know, right. what you're doing. Even if we just take a small piece from yeah, that, right. I think Absolutely. it's uh, it's very helpful. So without further ado, let's get right into our interview with Megan and Daniel. Hi, Megan, Daniel. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. So give us a little bit of background. Tell us about your your family and what drove your decision to start traveling together. Sure. So. I grew up in Maine and Daniel is from Arizona. So from the beginning, we kind of were on the complete opposite um, sides of the country. Um, I was studying musical theater in college and Daniel was a music major and we met um, as theme park entertainers. So kind of interesting background there. So after we met and we, I graduated college in New Hampshire, I moved to Arizona. Uh, I was trying to get out of New England anyway because of the weather. Um, Arizona sounded like it would be nice and warm. Um, So then we lived in Arizona for 13 years and we had four kids. Um, Our kids are um, boy, girl, boy, girl, and almost 14, 11, 9, and 5, but almost 6. And so we already kind of had this, we're on opposite sides of the country and we love to go back to the East coast and visit where I grew up and take our kids there. So we got really, really good at road tripping across the U S and like every time we would go, we would try to take a different route and maybe see a new city or do something different. So we kind of already had that, um, as part of our background, like just driving across the U S. Um, but Daniel, maybe you want to kind of get into the details about how we actually started traveling full-time. Well, I think it all started when I was just looking at Airbnbs mm-hmm. and I was fooling around with some dates and I made a longer stay and the price went down. Mm-hmm. And that's when we realized that a ton of Airbnbs will give a significant discount if you stay for a full month. Mm-hmm. And that discount made the price to stay in a full home, fully furnished home for a month, cheaper than what our mortgage was. Mm. 
And I said, huh, what if, (laughs) crazy idea, what if we just went from Airbnb to Airbnb? Uh, We were already thinking we would move back east. So what if we took it, took our time, slow travel across the country as we went? And the original plan was to go for one school year. And that was about four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And to take things back just like one step further, we were like in the thick of it. We were just kind of realizing that we weren't super happy with our, our life as it was in that moment, just being really, really busy. You know, Daniel had a full-time job. I was working part-time. We had so many other different commitments and activities going on. Our calendar was just like packed to the gills. The kids had activities and we just realized like we were doing all these things that we thought we enjoyed. They were hobbies and they were, you know, the activities that we felt we were good at or, or were things that we enjoyed. And then we were like looking around, we're like, why are we miserable? And it's because we were just so over committed and, and there were all these things that we wanted to go and do. And so that's when Daniel, you know, I think kind of in like, kind of like daydreaming, you know, like, oh, what's possible? What, what could we possibly do? And that's, you know, when he said, like, he was looking at Airbnbs. And so then he comes to me and says, why don't we do this? And I'm like, you're a crazy person. Like, <laughs> like nobody does that. And so then like he went to bed that night and I went on Airbnb and like looked at, and I was like, Oh wait, this actually is possible. We could do this. Um, so yeah, just like you said, we, we had already kind of thought, let's move back to the East coast. Let's like really change things up. And, and yeah, that's what we decided to do. Like, let's take our time. We're going to sell a house anyway, and we're going to buy a new house eventually. Like just take, you always spend, you know, some kind of time in between selling a house and buying a house, whether it's a couple of hours or a couple of weeks or in our case, four years. So were you able to take your your job on the road or how did that work out? Yeah. So I already kind of had, I worked for my dad has, my dad has a software company and I was working just part-time for him online at that point in time. And so that I could pretty much do that anywhere. Um, And I, and then Daniel was a full-time teacher. So Daniel, if you want to kind of explain what you decided to do. So uh, I started teaching online. I started doing mm-hmm. English tutoring online. So we were living off of two part-time incomes uh, for the first three or four months of our travels mm-hmm. until Megan found, well, sorry, I found <laughs> Megan found. an amazing mm-hmm. job. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like just kind of keeping our eyes peeled because with the two part-time incomes, that was a reduction in, in our, our income compared to when we were stationary in one area, but um, we could like just barely make it work. And we were looking um, for remote opportunities. And like Daniel said, he found this job li- listing. He found this job listing that he thought they're looking for you. He was like, I'll apply for this if you want, but this like your background, I was blogging um, and it was a, an ad network for an ad management company for bloggers um, that I actually knew about. And so, yeah, I applied and got the job and started working full time. And so it was kind of like, we just made a switch. We sometimes were like, we're freaky Friday in it because Daniel (laughs) had been working full time for so long. And I, and it made sense because we had young kids at home and I was the one burying the children and um, that timing worked out really well. In fact, we, the day we started traveling was the day before our youngest turned two. So we're like just transitioning out of the baby stage into like, you know, the older kids stage. Well, still pretty young kids at that point in time. Um, And so I started working full time and he was working part time. And then eventually he actually took a job at my same company. So um, then we both had full time uh, remote positions and that ended up being more than we were making when we were stationary. So, you know, it took a little while to get there, but then yeah, it all worked out really well. So just going through like the initial, like, you know, you, you've started the down the yellow brick road of, of road schooling. Was the original idea just a a month or two, a couple months, and then we'll figure something out. Or was the idea to try to do it long-term over a sustained period of time, like the four years or, you know, what was your thinking there when you first started? Well, four years was not in the equation to begin with. I don't think <laughs> I uh, even even with our adventurous hearts, I don't think we would have signed up for four years at the beginning. But uh, we said we'll do a school year 
So we had planned for nine months of road school. And both of our older kids had been in an advanced class in elementary school doing work that was basically a year ahead. So we told each other, even if we really screw this up and they learn <laughs> nothing this year, they'll just go back into public school as as, as like if a, they had as a gap year. Yeah, gap year. As a gap year, exactly. <laughs> the funny thing, of course, being that they are now years ahead of where they would have been. They were able to give them the personal attention and, and be able to help them in a way that, you know, put them far beyond where they would have been, even even at even in, a, in an accelerated classroom. So so when you when you got into the car and you guys were starting to do your your road schooling and tripping and you said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do some type of education on the on the go. Did you have ideas of like doing kind of like an online charter school or was homeschooling kind of the the first the first thought? We looked into a few different options. Um, and it was funny because at first, like we both had these part-time jobs and, but Daniel kind of really kind of flourished as their, as their teacher. And so he kind of, especially when then a few months later, I started working full-time, he really kind of took charge and found a lot of different, we kind of like, we don't use just one curriculum. We kind of pick and choose um, a lot of different um, resources. So Daniel knew of some online resources that he set the kids up to use. Was that like um, certain type of curriculums that you had found that you liked, or was it really just kind of this eclectic mismatch of educational resources? Eclectic. Eclectic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is a lot of, we, we interview a lot of homeschoolers and there's a lot of philosophies out there you know, people try to carve out their own space and say, okay, we're unschoolers or we're classical schoolers or we're Charlotte Mason or whatever it might be. And really when the rubber hits the road, most people are just like, uh, I'm just trying to survive, man. I'm going to take what works and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put it together like Legos. And if it works, it works, you know, that type of thing. So yeah. what, what did you guys do right up front? What, what was, you know, what were those tools that you ended up using? Um, right from the start, uh, Khan Academy was awesome. Uh, so fantastic. Right from the start, uh, our kids were good at, were, were in Google Docs and Google Sheets, and we were able to do a lot of uh, writing that way. Um, right from the start, they were, they, they both our we started with both our older kids in school. As we started to travel, we brought our third kid into schooling. And then a couple of years later, we added our, by the time we had kind of developed a rhythm was when we brought our fourth kid into the into the mix um, but right from the start they were all good they were all strong readers and we've always been you know encouraging of that so those were kind of our 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 biggest things you know reading and writing and math um, those were kind of our things that we really leaned on from the beginning when we were traveling in the U.S., we had our minivan. Um, and so I know we talked about Airbnbs. Every once in a while, when we'd talk about our, our full-time travel, we'd have somebody say, oh, man, I'd love to do that, but I couldn't live in an RV with six people. I'm like, well, I couldn't either, <laughs> and we don't. Um, but traveling in the U.S., we always had our van, so we had a lot of space. I mean, you know, a, a decent amount of space compared to only traveling with backpacks in Europe. Um, so, like, we would have hard copies of books. We would have workbooks. Um, And I think that both Daniel and I do value the traditional side of education, like actually sitting down with, you know, a lesson and learning how to do something specific. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the other half of that is every month we're in a new location. So anytime there's an opportunity to take advantage of where we are. So like the first destination we went to was the Pacific Northwest. And we were walking distance to this kind of like rocky beach area. Um, it was actually Whidbey Island uh, off mm-hmm. the coast of Washington, nearby Seattle. Yep. And like there were clams. So the kids went and dug up clams and there were blackberry bushes. And so we made blackberry jam and just kind of taking advantage of the location you're in. And then, of course, being in Europe, just learning the history of the place that we're in. So yeah. um, we we. I wouldn't say we're easy on our kids. Like uh, we pushed them pretty hard. Like we didn't really take summer break um, because we knew summer break would mean eight hours a day on a screen. Um, So we just homeschooled through the summer, but kind of as a trade-off, anytime we have the opportunity to go explore a new city or, or do something that would be educational in nature or even just fun to do, we never hesitated to be like, well, no school today because we're (laughs) going to go tour the Coliseum or whatever it was that we were doing. 
So did you did you think about the place you were going ahead of time and plan some some learning that was going to be around that area? Or did you arrive and then say, okay, well, let's look around and see what's here and we'll kind of make some ad hoc lesson plans, you know, as we go? Definitely a little of both. Um, like I would say there's surprises everywhere. Um, so one example, um, we actually ended up with some Airbnbs booked with two weeks in between that we didn't have a specific place. And so we were kind of just looking for a place to stay for two weeks. And we ended up booking a house in West Virginia um, with not really thinking there was anything special in the area. And then as soon as we got to the house, we realized that the couple that had rented out the house rented it out because they were taking six months to hike the Appalachian Trail. Hmm. And we just happened to be like, the, the Appalachian Trail was right nearby. And so we went and hiked part of the trail with our kids and saw a few cool um, like landmarks on the trail and the town that was right there was really historic, um, like kind of played into the Civil War. And so that was something we hadn't planned on, but it was there and it was so unique. And it's kind of one of the one of our favorite experiences that, that we now you know, look back on. So, so you're, you're traveling both domestically and internationally. You know, how, how do you manage that? Are you guys like you know, just living out of backpacks. I mean, are you, is your minivan like packed top to back? Do you have a trailer on the back? You know, well, what type of methodology do you have when you're going from place to place? Well, when we left, that van was packed to the gills. You could <laughs> barely <laughs> breathe. We almost uh, had to leave a kid at home. We were like, there's yeah, just no room yeah, for all of you. There's no room for you, bud. Dish of water, um, tie up out back. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we went and realized we maybe didn't need this or maybe this other thing was a little more important. And mm -hmm. as the kids grew and changed and, and we were doing different things, uh, we were able to get rid of some stuff. We acquired some more stuff. We were crisscrossing the country. So we would frequently stop back in Arizona where we had a, maybe not frequently, but we often stopped back in Arizona where we had a storage unit, we could drop some things off. If we needed to get something out of the storage unit, we could grab that. Um, but we definitely had a ton of stuff to begin with. By the time we were leaving for Europe, we knew we could only do one bag each. So we had to pare everything down and decide, you know, this is all that we have. This is all that we're going to have for the entire time that we're in Europe. This is your backpack. These are, <laughs> these are your things. And we're going to go. So how long were you in Europe then? Just under a year. We, so, Ariel and I did did 28 days and we were like, I need to get back, get a cheeseburger. And, yeah. You know, I'm tired of living out of a backpack. So so how, how did that transition go to Europe? I know that you've got, you did Airbnbs here. Did you do something similar there to make it more economical to travel in Europe? I know it's pretty expensive to travel in most of Europe. Yeah, we also, you know, we started traveling in 2018. Things have gotten a lot more expensive <laughs> now that we're in 2022, even over just the last couple of years. But yeah, so that first nine months we knew was in the States. We were going to start on the West Coast and on the East Coast. And that was really as far as we planned out. And then we that went so well, we were like, well, we've got to before we settle down and we have a mortgage and we can't really do this anymore full time we got to go to Europe and, and do, you know, let's do a second year over there. And then just the way things worked out, I had some surgery and like we, there was going to be follow-up visits. So we were like, okay, well let's, you know, travel, let's take care of that, push that back, um, push the Europe plans back a little bit. So we booked a place in London and we booked airline tickets for the six of us for April of 2020. Ooh. Good that timing. didn't go so well. Good yeah. Timing. Yeah. Great time. Everything got canceled. Luckily it all got refunded. Um, but we we're like, okay, so we're not going now. Um, <laughs> but we knew we still wanted to. So we just continued basically traveling domestically, um, quarantining and, and hunkering down when we had to sometimes in Arizona with family, my, my parents moved to Florida, um, during the early part of our traveling. So we had kind of a second home base there. Um, and just, waiting to be able to go to Europe. And um, we did finally in September of 2021 through um, July of 2022. And yeah, basically the same thing, booking Airbnbs for usually four weeks at a time, 
Um, over there, we did a lot more flying, <laughs> obviously, uh, train travel, like we didn't have a car. There were a couple of times where we rented a car just really briefly. Um, but yeah, totally dependent on public transportation, which was new and different, uh, a learning experience for us <laughs> as well as the kids. So how did you decide where to go next? I mean, it's like the world's your oyster. Like, how do you, do you decide as a family? Is it based on, you know, uh, uh, do you draw lots for who gets to choose? Random dart throws at the end of the night. <laughs> the kids don't get to choose. <laughs> no, get to We're choose. like, well, we'll let you know. It'll be fun. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the first like part of our European visit because sure. then, then Daniel has, has a good uh, perspective of one of the places we chose. We kind of figured let's, front load it with like the big things because at that time we didn't know maybe we get deported you know because of like COVID going on and everything who knows um so we're like let's let's do the big ones first so we went to London Paris Rome we're like boom 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 the three big ones like let's go see everywhere everything there is to see there and uh, and a week in Liverpool (laughs) gotta go to Liverpool we're big Beatles fans so you know gotta (laughs) see all, all the Beatles things we literally stayed on Penny Lane um that was cool to answer your question about kind of like how far ahead we planned, it was, I would say every time we were about to go to our next Airbnb, we probably had the one booked after that, or maybe like the first week in an Airbnb, we would make sure we had another one just to know like where we were going and, and especially in Europe, how we were going to get there and how expensive that was going to be. Cause you kind of have to plan several steps ahead, especially over there to know that like there are flights and that we actually ran into a couple of situations where we left earlier, like we maybe had the Airbnb for four weeks, but it made sense to leave a couple days early um, because it was cheaper to book out the full four weeks, but the plane flight was like half the price a few days early. So oh we would you know, just kind of make that work. But after Rome, we were like, okay, Athens, our oldest is really into Greek mythology. So we're like, we have to, we have to hit Athens. And then um, we also wanted to do Santorini. So we saw kind of like the island part of Greece. And then we had been to major city, major city, major city. um, And we had also been in like foreign speaking country, foreign speaking, you know, so we were ready to kind of let's go back to where they speak English for a little bit, like kind of get a break um, from from struggling with the language and from the big city life. So, yeah, I'll let Daniel talk about our next location. Well, I kind of learned a little something about myself, which is that I like to be able to go outside and walk around in nature. Um, Nothing against living in the suburb of Paris or in a high rise in London. We definitely enjoyed that, but I was feeling a little pent in. I was feeling like a little bit like a little crowded, little, little, little too close to everybody. And And on behalf of the kids too, because in a lot of those locations, they didn't, we didn't have a yard, you know, they, we would could take them to a park we can just send them out, like go out and play. Mm-hmm. Which is a big difference, you know, mm-hmm. when our kids are cooped up inside, we want to kick them into the backyard and have them go play outside for a while. I think that's, I think that's reasonable. That's how we grew up and that's how, <laughs> that's what we wanted for our kids. So I um, told Megan that I was ready for something that was not such a big city. And we actually didn't use Airbnb, but a similar service that just does cottages english cottages and we found uh, in the southwest of england a place that our kids will still talk about um, but it was called the yellow blossom cottage it was in penzance um, and uh, old farmhouse field in front sloping down to the bay where there's an island with a castle on it that you can see from the front yard there were woods that our kids would play in they uh, we got there and they had you know we've been doing school for years at this point and we got there and i said okay new rule as long as we're here if you want to go play in the woods just go just go you don't have to ask permission to play in the woods you don't have to ask permission to, to take a break from school you don't have to finish your school before you want to go play outside just go and uh, it was one of our our favorite places. Now, again, we loved taking the kids up to the Eiffel Tower. We loved touring the Coliseum. We loved seeing all of those amazing postmark or postcard locations, but they still talk about Yellow Blossom Cottage. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like, 
so so that's great that's kind of a great segue into while you guys are going different places and you're doing different things you know these children tend to need to interact and 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 socialize and have fun and doing extracurriculars and stuff and you know how did you guys ensure that they were having fun not just between the four of them I and mean, they got a built-in you guys kind of have a built-in social network with four kids but you know did you guys do anything specific to get them out get them active get them you know having fun maybe not with the parents maybe with friends and, and kids did did you do anything like that so the first place we stayed in in London um, was like a series of apartment buildings and there was a little playground that was right downstairs and so they would go down and play and they met kids in the in the you know, that also lived there um, helped that they also spoke English um, <laughs> because then we would go on to other places and usually what would happen, the, the way the interaction would happen with other kids, because like you said, we're a party everywhere we go. There's six <laughs> of us, there's four of them. They can kind of pair off differently from day to day. So there's obviously a lot of, you know, camaraderie that they already have, but they do like to be with people their own age, of course. Um, a lot of that would be, we take them to a playground and they just, our, our kids are pretty uh, extroverted, I suppose. They're very friendly. They, they'll go right up to a kid and be like, hey, let's play. Um, that was interesting once we got to France and Italy and they didn't speak yeah. the language and my little one, she wouldn't care. She'd go right up to them and say, hi, let's play. And, you know, <laughs> they would just do the best they could to to um, to communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. But our, our older daughter said something really funny kind of near the end of our European travels when we knew we were going to come back to the States and we were going to settle down. And I, I asked her, like, what are you looking forward to, you know, settling down? Are you looking forward to it? What do you think? And she's like, well, it's been really fun traveling, but um I was like are you looking forward to making friends and she said yeah I'm looking forward to having more than 30 day free trial friends <laughs> oh <laughs> because it was all, always like 28 days here 28 days there and and you know we knew we weren't yeah. gonna probably come back and see the same people yeah. um so they did stay in touch with a few friends from home um it was a little tricky in Europe um our daughter has a friend in Phoenix, who was literally nine hours behind us. So they had a couple hours a day when they could chat online and maybe play, they play video games together sometimes. Um, but yeah, like little interactions here and there. Um, and and the being together, the four of them together, I would say that's kind of kind of what we did and always said, well, you know, eventually we are going to settle down and you'll you'll make friends that you can keep a little bit longer than 28 days at a time. <laughs> Did you notice um, as you guys were traveling and you're kind of going from place to place, you know, us being in like the suburban neighborhood, we have our own kind of issues with children and their behavior and stuff like that. Did you notice anything unique and different about being on the road? Did they have different anxieties, different things that manifested in different ways? And did you guys do anything to alleviate that? Like, I don't know, you know, every Monday it's daddy day and daddy takes the girls out or you know, mom takes the boys out or something like that. Did you guys do anything unique there that, you know, the people who are listening that want to be kind of road schoolers as well, that maybe you could impart onto them or tell them what they can expect? Well, sometimes you just get on each other's nerves. Sure, sure. I didn't know if like the roads, I didn't know if the road schooling caused additional issues that (laughs) above and beyond. I I don't really know. We got on each other's nerves before we left. So um, it happens whether you're in one place or not. We were staying mostly in houses that had different bedrooms and it was perfectly acceptable to say, hey, why don't you go in this other room or why don't you come over here? You know, there's a lot of value in getting the kids out of the house so that mom can have some peace and quiet. And I certainly did that a lot, um, no matter where we were. Um, but, you know, I just think you just do it. And then turns out they're all fine. You know, maybe they're upset because we're on a long car ride and the kid next to them is whistling or something but in 20 minutes they'll be laughing and telling a joke or they'll be asleep or they'll be reading a book or were, were there any stretches on your journeys like you, so you're talking about staying in houses and everything i know you have a big family were there any stretches where you guys were kind of feel like you were in the rv did you do camping did you do some alternatives as well my first thought is um the first time we stayed in new york city we did two different months in Brooklyn apartments. And the first one was really, really tiny. Um, It was, we had a decent sized room 
And then there was another, a second bedroom that was very small that had one twin bed. And then the living room area had a futon and like a chair that converted into a bed for the six of us. Um, and then a very small kitchen and a bathroom. And so I, Daniel, was that the smallest place we stayed? Um, the kids were still pretty small at that point. So that's another thing. Like these kids got bigger as we kept traveling. So we did at some point have to kind of say, you know, we really do need three bedrooms and um, we're going to have to pay for that. You know, you always kind of trade off your location, the quality of the place you're staying, the size um, and the price. So, you know, you're both working full time and you're traveling to these different great places and you're trying to homeschool your kids. How do you how do you juggle all three? Because I could see it being like, hey, we just got to Rome. Yeah, but mom's got to work. But uh, and dad's going to, you know, homeschool it. And how, how do you juggle all that with trying to see the sights and, and enjoy the place that you're at? Well, as far as taking care of school. By the time I started working full-time, we had really gotten into a great groove and we had really gotten it to be, um, I mean, really student-driven would probably be the buzzword, but sure. we had figured out a way such that they could kind of take ownership for what they were doing and I could give them and we could give them what they needed to do, but then they could go ahead and execute and, and take care of stuff. Um more or less on their own. What happened was we started with two kids and I was okay splitting my time between two, but suddenly we added a third kid to the mix and I could not be in three places at once. Mm -hmm. And it, it like really hit me that I needed to figure out a better system for doing it. Um, and that's when we started a school tracker, which was a shared Google doc, uh, sorry, a shared Google sheet where they had everything they were doing uh, listed out and then the days and then what they had done and they could check in with me and I could be, you know, helping, helping them as needed, as opposed to having to be completely present in every moment of their learning um, at all times. And that was really a game changer for us. And we used that system um, for the remainder of the four years once, once we kind of um, figured that out. And because we were able to get it to that point, um, I felt comfortable, uh, you know, again, increasing my hours until I was at basically a, a full-time job and then taking a permanent full-time position. But as far as juggling that and seeing the sites, well, it was great because we could take time off whenever we needed to, you know, if Megan and I could get time off work. We could go do something um, and cancel school without any repercussions. Uh, we could, uh, but Megan was also an absolute, absolute champ at scheduling what we were going to do and what we wanted to see and and she is just amazing at going and researching a place uh, to no end and being like these are the top things we want to do and we're going to do these things on this Saturday and these things on this Saturday and these things on this Saturday and boom 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 we were we were ha we were, we were able to do a whole whole lot <laughs> that, that's awesome I, I have the same issue. I'm the husband handbag. I just kind of go along with 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 the journey. <laughs> hey, um, no, it's a good thing. I don't have to do any of the work. It's a <laughs> no, nice it's, handbag. But you have the two younger ones. So as they became older, and a lot of times with the younger ones, you got to do a little bit more hands on. Did you find that to be a little bit challenging at the beginning, or were they just kind of naturally adept in, or were you using the older kids as kind of surrogate teachers, as educators type of thing? We've seen some of that before as well. A little bit of everything, okay. a little bit of everything. I do recall we started traveling, we had the two older kids, and our third kid was supposed to have been kind of getting ready to start kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he doesn't know enough sight words. We've got to <laughs> figure out. And it like kind of hit me because previously it was like, just send him to school. You know what I mean? The yeah, school will take yeah. care of it. I'm sure the school's got this. <laughs> figured out. But now suddenly the responsibility is a hundred percent ours. And I, it kind of hit me like, ah, oh, we got to get on this. We got to get on this. <laughs> I developed a, a huge respect for kindergarten teachers because I was like, I, I know how to read. I know you're smart, but I don't know how to teach this to you. Like, can't you just figure it out? Like these yes. are the letters. Come on, man. Like figure it out. And then I was like, oh, there's, there's actually a, a method to this. There's actually <laughs> tactics for how to teach a child to read. So we did, we kind of had to research that a little bit. And we learned like, these are some fun games that will help them learn. And yeah, we got them there eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. And tossing 20 additional kids that are trying to do the same thing. It's always hard. So did you just focus mostly, mostly on reading, writing, math, 
and just kind of, you know, let the other stuff, or did you try to wrap in science and art and these other pieces? You know, it sounds like you have kind of a busy schedule. We did uh, just about everything you can imagine because again, we were using this Google sheet. Mm -hmm. um, so I always made sure that reading and writing and math were on there. Um, but then it, the list goes on. They definitely were doing um, uh, music for, I was a music teacher for years. So that was a, that was something for a while we were carting around a trombone and a recorder <laughs> and, and doing some of those things. Um, they were, they were, almost always doing some kind of language uh, either in anticipation of a place we were going to go or because we were actually living there. Um, we, we did all kinds of art. Uh, they love computer programming and we um, incorporated like game, some game design into that. We did chess, like for a while chess was yeah. on their tracker, like play a game of chess with, play with games. a sibling or with the computer. Um, they did typing, they've done geography. Mm -hmm. Um, we, for a, a short period of time, a couple of different times stayed with Daniel's mom. So that's their grandma. And so part of their day was to go just ask her like three questions about her childhood. She grew up in, you know, the forties. <laughs> so, um, we are like, you know, those stories are going to be gone soon. Let's, you know, you got, you guys can go ask her questions about her childhood. And then we would pull in things like, Shark Tank and Mythbusters um, and, and things that they could learn from there. We found even like history textbooks or YouTube channels where they can learn yeah. about history. But Daniel always front loaded that um, school tracker with you do a journal every day. And some days they didn't love that. But now they have four years of a journal of all those cool places that they went, that they'll have that for the rest of their lives, which I think is really cool. But he was also like, if they read and write and do math, that's a great day. And then, you know, a lot of days they do everything else on the tracker. Some days that's all they do. And it's still, it's still a win. So did you rely mostly on, on online curriculum then, the you know, or did you pull in workbooks as needed or, you know, just to keep it minimalist? We did a lot of workbooks at the beginning. Um, I think because when when they're doing so much online for school and then they're done with their school day, well, what do they want to do? They want to go watch YouTube. They want to you know, play video games. They still want to be on that screen. Mm -hmm. So it was good to have some stuff that wasn't on a screen. So we really liked Brain Quest because they're like these really big, thick workbooks that you can pull out the pages on. Um, so we did a lot of that the earlier years and they're a little bit younger and we were in the States where we had space for that. But then once we were in Europe, it was real a lot more heavily, uh, screen-based just because we didn't have as much space to carry stuff around. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about technology. Cause I mean, you're talking about Google sheets, Google docs. I love Google sheets, Google docs. So the whole drive network is just an incredible, you know, utility for anybody to use. Are, does each kid have a tablet keyboard? laptop I mean, and then kindle and you know are, are you doing that type of combination or is it something specific something unique that you guys have been doing um yeah they all have a they all have always had a screen um yeah. it's absolutely unavoidable yeah. um but uh when we went to europe we made sure that uh you know the three older ones each had a laptop that they would travel with they had had different screens off and on um you know whether it was a laptop or an ipad um that they used I have found that the laptop is a much, much better for them to do school on. I mean, the keyboard obviously makes a big difference, uh, but um, they like, they like the iPads for, you know, cause it's, cause it's easy and it's small, but yeah. the laptop is, is far better for school. So what type of laptops are you doing? Are you doing like a PC Mac or are you doing Chromebooks? Always PCs. Okay, always PCs. I because I've I've been running myself off of Chromebooks lately because I do do so much in Google Drive. I didn't know if you were integrating that or anything. So okay, so you just do primarily PCs. That's cool. And do you have any specific software or anything that you like to have on there other than obviously the the cloud based tools? Do you have anything else that you like to include on there? Any you know music programs or anything like that that you help you have found that that be very helpful? The one thing that I can think of that we really, that they really took to uh, is a video game maker called RPG Maker that allows okay. you to create, and people have used this to make commercially viable games that they then go on to sell, but it's sure. really accessible and mm -hmm. there's a tiny bit of coding, but basically it allows you to make 
an eight bit yeah. old school eighties RPG and yeah, your little yeah. guy runs around and talks to people and, and, and can trigger certain events. And, and you know, if you want to include combat or, um, yeah. you know, they, they, they took to that really well. Other, other than that, you know, it's mostly been the cloud-based stuff, Khan Academy, you know, uh, Google. Um, yeah, different, different, again, depending on what we were working on. Like if I wanted to, I said, ah, you know, we need to do some geography. Awesome. Let's go find some awesome geography quiz site and start on that. Or, or you know, oh, we, we've, you know, we played some, we played a little bit of music, but now we're leaving the instruments behind. So I still want to incorporate that. So music theory.net, like let's, let's go ahead and spend a little bit of time in that every day. Um, yeah. It's just like, if I thought, or if we thought yeah. something, we wanted our kids to experience something like Megan said with, with talking to my mom, you're like, oh, that's a cool thing. Oh, I know. I'll just put it on their school tracker and they will do it every day. Mm-hmm. So at one point I was like, we both really like a lot of music and I want my kids to listen to it. Every day you listen to an album. Ask me, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you an album that day that you just go listen to the album. And that was on the school tracker for, you know, a couple months and, and uh, they, they liked it. Awesome. Yeah, they still listen to some of the albums that we <laughs> yeah. success for them. Success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, actually, I had a quick question about, you talked a little bit about journaling. Could you talk a little bit about maybe your methodology around that? I Obviously, they're writing that into the, you know, the Google Docs or, or, or whatever um, they're doing there. Was there a thinking behind every day's entry? Was it daily? Is it weekly? Are they, are you asking them to pull pictures and make kind of a, like almost like a book type of thing? Like what was your thinking around that? So at first, when we first started, we did a couple of like cool adventures and I was like, oh, we're going to write up a report of what we did. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things is you don't go and have a cool adventure every single day. And maybe you do every week, but maybe not. And maybe it's the kind of thing that you write up and maybe not. So that's when we switched to journaling because that's every single day. First thing you do, you write a journal about what happened to you the day before. And that's something that was really easy to scale because I started saying it needs to have X number of words. Okay. Um, you need to write an X number of words journal entry. And there was a moment where the kids were like, oh, I just didn't, I didn't do anything yesterday. I didn't, you know, nothing cool happened yesterday. And that's when I said, look, your journal does not have to be an exact log of what you did. What are you thinking about? What do you want? What makes you happy? What's on your mind? What, what, what do you like? And it was like a light bulb went off. And suddenly now my son is writing massive journal entries about Pokemon. And he's detailing his favorites and what's cool and what's not. Or, you know, my daughter went and played in the woods and they played an imaginary game and she just puts the whole thing in there and this lore of this, of this game that she's, that she's imagining and, and things like that really made a really big difference uh, as far as journaling goes. And then that allowed it to scale because when we brought in, like, for example, my youngest said, okay, you're going to write a journal entry. It needs to be one sentence or, or, or 10 words or something, you know? And then, you know, for the other older kids, I can say, all right, you're older now. You're going to go to 250 words or, or 300 words or 150 words for your journal entry. So, so you, you had the, the technology that that was a, a homeschooling essential. Did you have anything else that you couldn't live without while you were traveling that, that helped in your, your road schooling that people should be aware of if they want to start traveling as well? For us, the, obviously the, the online stuff is, is, has been super, super helpful. Uh, beyond that, the real no brainer is physical books just so that you can always say, hey, take a break from your screen, go read a book, uh, whether that's a book that I chose for them because, or we chose for them because, you know, it's like, all right, you need to read this book or that book for for school, um, or whether it's a book that they're interested in that we bought because they they like it. Um, and that's, you know, when you're, when you're, like Megan pointed out earlier, when you're on a screen for school and then afterwards you want to be, watching YouTube, I'm like, okay, maybe we'll let's take a break and read your book, read the book that you got. And, and, you know, we cycled through them. We didn't, we didn't always have room to hold on to them, especially like, like she said, when we were overseas, you know, buy a book, read it that week, leave it behind, go get the next book, go get another book. Like that's an expense that we will gladly pay 
to keep our kids reading. Did you use a Kindle a lot? Like, I know that's a screen, but you know, the e-readers can tend to not feel like screens if you're reading on them. Did you use that or did you use some like library lending system? Not a Kindle, like the device, but they all had the Kindle app on whichever device they were already using. So it didn't really solve the problem of it's a different screen that maybe doesn't feel like a screen, but it was sometimes just an easier way to get access to a lot of books all at once. Um, we do pay for Kindle Unlimited, which is I think $9.99 a month. And some books are on it, some are not. So like, for example, our three big kids all read the entire Harry Potter series because that's all on Kindle Unlimited, mm -hmm. um, like all at the same time. So they were all reading one chapter a day. I think they got off a little bit from each other, but pretty much they read that whole series together. Okay. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So as you joined the ranks of, of homeschoolers here for, for this period of time, and, and Daniel, as you were a teacher before, like what were your preconceived notions about homeschoolers? What did you, what did you think about, you know, the, the type of folks or types of families that, that homeschooled and, and did that give you any pause as you were starting into this journey? Well, I knew what I couldn't do, which was, I wasn't going to be the guy that was like, all right, here's our unit on this. And I'm going to create all these cool worksheets and I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to write all this curriculum and do it. Like I was like, I'm just not that guy. Um, I'm not going to be able to keep up with that. Um, so I knew that I know that there are a lot of people out there that like to do that, that like to plan every single moment of every single day, you know, for the whole entire year. Um, that's not me. I'm much more, you know, flexible. Uh, like I said, I'd, enc I'd encounter something, I'd think of something, and I'd be like, boom, that needs to be in school. We're adding that. Or, you know, every three or four months, I'd be like, okay, get rid of the school tracker that you have. Here's the new school tracker. Um, so uh, I don't know if I had any specific preconceived notions, um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to um, just be be that kind of like really, really intense uh, planned out everything, create create everything myself, uh, have it all set in stone before we started. I knew I, I knew that that was going to work for me. We both had a traditional education. Like we both went to public school, or I I went to Catholic school for a few years when I was really younger, um, and so my hesitation was just kind of getting past that mental roadblock of this is how you have to do things. Um, I, I didn't actually think that, like I would never have told someone like, oh, you can't homeschool or homeschooling isn't right. I didn't have those beliefs, but just for myself, just trying to break out of the what I consider to be ordinary and do something that, well, the traveling part of it is certainly not ordinary. Um, it just kind of was a little bit of a mental roadblock of like, a, this isn't, this just isn't what you do. And I think also, what will they miss out on if we do this? And now that we've traveled the world for four years, it's like, well, what would they have missed if we hadn't done this? Yeah, mm, yeah it definitely reframes it. So you've, you've done your four years of traveling and now you're setting up home base and, and putting down some roots and the kids are going back to school. Now you said you're your kids are pretty advanced in different areas. How's that? How's that transition? I know the school year maybe hasn't started yet for you there, but what are you anticipating uh, challenges in reintegrating into that kind of traditional model? So this was actually the first week of school and I'm exhausted and I, <laughs> I'm ready to go back to homeschooling. Um, no, we're going to give it a try. Um, Daniel and I both were like, all right, public school, you get one, one chance, one shot, <laughs> because <laughs> homeschooling just went so well for us yeah. that we are kind of excited to, for, there's a lot of pros, like getting the kids out of the house, getting them to be with kids their, their own age, being able to make friends, maybe be in some clubs some activities. Obviously those are all really great things. Um, but yeah, to answer your question about like, they, they kind of were, you know, advanced. Um, so our, our oldest is a freshman. Um, and we kept saying like, oh, he's going into seventh grade. That's probably, we should probably stop and put him into middle school. Oh, well, that didn't happen. Okay. Well, maybe eighth grade. And we we're like, okay, definitely high school. If we're <laughs> going to do this, like, let's do it at high school. And it, and it just lined up really well with our plans. So he's, you know, he's in all honors classes. He, they, they're, they have an AP human geography class that they allow freshmen to take. So he really loves ge geography. So we're like, all right, let's go for it. Let's, let's just, you know. 
And he actually is a bit of a planner like his mom. Um, he wants to graduate in three years. He has a whole plan. He wants to be a Disney Imagineer. Like he's got his whole life planned out <laughs> in his brain. I'm sure there will be changes along the way. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's pretty set on what he wants to do. Um, and then our, our next oldest, our oldest daughter is going into, is in sixth. And they have an accelerated program where you basically work a year or even two ahead. Um, so she got into those classes and that puts her on a path to earn some high school credits in middle school. So that's just something that school offers, which is great. Um, our next youngest, our younger son um, is in gifted and talented program. Um, and that's something that they offer at his level. We ran into an issue with our youngest, which is that the cutoff for kindergarten. Yeah, we're, we're not happy about this one. Um, she is five, but she is turning six on September 9th. The cutoff for kindergarten is to turn five before September 1st. And the cutoff for first grade is to turn six before September 1st. So she's just barely, we spent this past year traveling, thinking this was her kindergarten year. She'll go into first grade. And so we're in South Carolina and it's just a state law. Those two grades, the ages you have to be and she's reading at like a fourth grade level going into mm -hmm. kindergarten. So she actually starts tomorrow. Um, and I'm, I, we really, really just wanted to push her ahead one year because she's on the older end anyway. She's one of the oldest yeah. kids in the class and she's that far ahead. Yeah, I know tomorrow. nine days and we really, really wanted her to start in first. She's excited about kindergarten. I'm sure she'll have tons of fun. I'm sure she won't because that's just a flat loss. She's not going to be the only kid in the class that is yeah. her age and at her level. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice. We, we always kind of planned on, you know, she was going to be in kindergarten last year and start first this year. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just hoping they, they have something to challenge her. Yeah. That sounds like a, that sounds like a big challenge. Yeah. I know we have a system here where we can test them. We can test them into the next grade if they're yeah. a little bit young, which is nice to have the option. Mm, um, yeah. but I guess they don't have that everywhere. Seems reasonable. No. <laughs> so we we've got homeschoolers who are listening to the podcast because we, we run a homeschool podcast. Right? Yeah, I yeah, heard something that. Like that. I heard yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are people out there who want to travel more. Maybe not for four straight years. <laughs> just sitting around <laughs> the world. But um, maybe it'll start out as only a yeah. gap year and then grow. It's yeah. good for you. You never know. Let him, let him, let, him taste, yeah, let, him, <laughs> let him taste the soup a little bit and they'll, then they'll be off on their way. Um, outside of packing it into an old uh, VW van, like some hipsters that I see on YouTube and just driving around the country. Um, what can families do to travel more cheaply? We've talked a little bit about using Airbnb for a month. You know, how do you get people out, you know, moving a little bit more and spending a little bit more time in locations? What, what would be your advice to those people? Well, we did find that one of the biggest things was to stay long-term. Now I know that's not something everybody can do, but that maybe is something to look into. Um, you know, if you maybe have longer periods of time in the summer or whenever that you could possibly spend um, 28 days was the magic number. Um, sometimes based on local laws, sometimes 30 was actually cheaper. So I'd always kind of just play with it to see where I, I could get the cheaper price. And it's, it's dependent on the Airbnb owner themselves. They set their own prices, they set their own policies. So it's up to them whether or not they want to discount it after four weeks. Um, but that, that was the biggest thing, uh, along with not having a home base, not having a mortgage or a rent payment. You know, we just kind of traded one for the other. But now that we will, um, we're, we're still in the process of looking for and buying a house right now. Um, so we, we will be in that situation where we're going to be settled and paying a, a monthly you know, mortgage. Um, and so I think... I don't know, Daniel, what do you think? I was going to say smaller, you know, like weekends. Think of like what you can do that's close to you. I'm sure that you haven't explored every corner of your own town where you live currently. And then, you know, what's two hours away? What's three hours away? Can you get 10 hours away? And then just kind of draw a circle and find all the cool places that you can get to in whatever allotted time you have. Yeah. And we knew when we were starting that our kids could travel because we had, uh, even before then we had gone back to Maine, uh, where Megan is from several times and we we're like, okay, well, we know we can handle a cross country road trip. We've done it. So that made it, that, that was one element that we had some peace of mind about because we knew kind of what that went, how that would, how that would go. 
I like the idea of test driving it a little bit, making yeah, sure too. you've got some good, some good travelers. I think that's really good. Well, advice. and with the with the benefit of the, I mean, not the benefit of the pandemic, but a, you know, an outflow of the pandemic is a lot of people do get to work from home now. They do get a little bit more of a flex schedule. Um, they do have that, you know, maybe mom or dad is working full time, and you know, stay at home dads like myself. Um, you know, we do have the ability to go and do those type of things, and and I agree. So, they're if they want to go out and they want to start road schooling, what is a website that they could go and learn a lot about that? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because they can come to my site. I'm, I'm known so, for the ultimate transitions. That was, that was just so good. Um, yeah. So um, after we had been traveling for a little over a year, so I had had a blog for literally 14 years now. I started it when my oldest was born, um, kind of like a mommy lifestyle uh, kind of site. And then January of 2020, after we'd been traveling a little over a year, I kind of had to decide, am I going to write all of this travel content on my existing site or do I want to start up a new one? And I decided I wanted to have a site that was really specifically about travel, that was really specifically about family travel. And more importantly, it was really specifically about long-term, like full-time family travel, exactly what we did um, to write about what like the places that we went just to write about the destinations and things to do and see there, mm -hmm. but also to teach other families how they could do exactly what we did, because that was a question we got a lot and a comment we got a lot, which was, wow, how do you guys even do this? That's my dream. I could never do that. And so my response is always, of course you can, like if we can do it, anybody can do it. Um, you know, there's certain things you have to put in a place. And so that's what I teach on the site. It is family gap year guide. Dot com, And there's some really great articles on there about how to transition into a full-time traveling family journey. Um, I also have a course on it. Um, along with launching the website, I was like, I just have, I'm an expert at this, right? Just because I kind of threw myself into it and, and lived this life for several years. So I have a course that takes you from everything from deciding where to go um, learning how to budget for it and how the financials work, all of our tips um, to the details of like packing, you know, what to mm -hmm. bring, what to do with your stuff that you can't fit into your van or your backpack. Um, so like what to bring, actually how to pack it. Um, there's a whole section on traveling overseas, how to, um, you know, how it's different traveling in the U.S. versus traveling overseas. Um, and there's a whole unit specific to road schooling um, that goes over a lot of what we went over today um, and, and has some cool resources. Like we talked about the school tracker. That's a download in the course. Awesome. Great. Yeah, that's that's probably some really great material. I know. Does it cater to the people who want to boat school? Because I got a friend who wants to do that. He wants to go buy the. <laughs> that sounds the, amazing. He wants to buy the 51 foot ammo. And put the whole, oh, the whole five, all the kids and all the family, and just travel around the world on a boat. Supposedly, That's Daniel's I'm next pitch. Yeah, Megan, I have a pitch for you. <laughs> <laughs> there have been, we have come across some Airbnbs that are like, oh, this is actually a boat. <laughs> <laughs> boat schooling oh i like that that's even better test drive well thank you both so much we know it's late there for you but we appreciate you sharing your time and and all of your experience with us this is so neat this is the first type of interview we've done with a family that road schools and it's been one of my like bucket list interviews that i've wanted to do for some time let's yeah. talk to somebody because i i don't know if i'd ever if we'd ever get to be in the opportunity where we could travel like that, but I kind of have a little pipe dream that maybe we could. Um, and so I, I just loved hearing your experiences. Thank you. No, convince my friend to level up to the mega yacht and we'll go boat schooling those two families. Together. I am so seasick, Booza. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. I can't convince you to invest in my boat schooling. No. <laughs> well, so I guess, I guess my last, my very, very last question is, yeah. do you think you guys are going to get the itch to travel again or do you or do you think like you're you're done you're ready to be settled and 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 done with with the, the travel lifestyle? I think Daniel would go out tomorrow. Am I right? <laughs> I don't know about tomorrow, <laughs> but yeah, probably. 
probably. I'm probably the other end of the spectrum. I am ready to have a house that is my own. I mean, I haven't slept in my own bed because I haven't owned a bed that was my own for over four years now. Um, so I'm just excited to like have a few things that are my own. I'm excited to pull all my stuff out of storage and use it <laughs> to see it, remember what's even in there. Um, but I could definitely see us getting the itch. And a lot of, uh, one of the big questions I think some families have when they learn about what we did is like just the timing of it all. You know, when is the right time to go? And probably there's never a perfect time. This worked out for us. Um, but now it's like, well, we have one in high school and in a couple of years, by the time he leaves, the next one will be in high school and then it'll just go on from there. So I don't know, but we sometimes we talk about how our youngest isn't going to remember those earlier years because she was two, three years old. We've got lots of pictures and we tell lots of stories. So she kind of has secondary memories. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe the younger ones need a, a second round when the older kids are, are gone and have flown the nest, or maybe when all four have flown the nest, that's time for mom and dad to take another round the world yeah. trip. She's think, she's so are you, you going to go like cold Turkey? Or are you going to keep like traveling in the summer when the kids are out of school? We'll definitely still travel. We, um, in our travels of the U S we hit 47 states. So Ooh, we've got a, a few a left. More. We need, yeah, we got to check some others off. And then like every destination I kind of kept track of, maybe there were a few things we didn't get to that were like, Oh, we definitely, or even a few things that were like, Oh, that's a, definitely a do again. Like we have to go back and do that another time. We've definitely fantasized about let's go back to the very first place we stayed and <laughs> do it all again, or at least just go back to that first place to kind of, you know, just kind of have it come full cycle. Um, so maybe we will. That's cool. That sounds great. Uh, overtime question. Uh, you, you brought up beds. So you're traveling. Do you bring pillows? Do you bring a foam inflatable memory foam mattress that rolls so, up? Like, this bougie. is very important. You have no, to bring everything. Body pillows. <laughs> do you have a body pillow that, you know, explodes out and you could use it? I'm, that's important to me. That's super important to me. I am like really touchy about like pillows and I just kind of had to learn how to like take whatever's there and like stack two of them or fold one of them into a triangle or something. So no, I don't think we ever traveled with a pillow, although we did definitely take a lot of blankets around. I guess yeah. we pillows as long as we have the car, our minivan, right. there's room for trombones and and (laughs) it it really yeah crock pot it depends on what your priorities are like we love a crock pot so we were traveling with a crock pot for a while (laughs) we had a ukulele for and and actually a full-size guitar for a while you know like it it changes and then from airbnb to airbnb they might have more things for you or less things for you um you know depending on the place and and what they're providing the things may be cleaner or less clean um, so it's, it's, a, it's an adventure for sure. Absolutely. No, I'm sorry. Just had to ask. Anyway, thank you guys so <laughs> thank much. Thank you for joining. so much for Appreciate your time it. and your attention and sharing your experiences with us. Yeah, thanks so much. This was fun. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media, join our homeschool together podcast group on Facebook and find us at homeschool together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time, happy homeschooling!